3: From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Scott Schaefer, and today for Mina Kim. More than 20 million voters across California are receiving their mail-in ballots this week for the September 14th recall election. And while the ballot has just two simple questions, you might have a lot more. Like when to vote, how to vote. to vote for. And if you're a Democrat, you might be wondering, what should I do if I'm against the recall? Should I vote for a replacement candidate anyway? Well, this hour, we've got the entire KQED politics team here to give you the lay of the land and answer your questions. And we'll talk with Gray Davis, the only California governor ever recalled from office. That's next on Forum, right after the news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Scott Schaefer, KQED's politics editor. In today from Mina Kim. And this hour, we are taking a deep dive on the recall election for Governor Gavin Newsom. Now, the last day to vote is September 14th, but voting is really underway now since every registered voter is getting their mail-in ballot delivered at home. And so today we've gathered our entire politics team for the hour to give us the political lay of the land and answer any questions you might have. Now, you already know them. You hear them on KQED all the time. Our politics team, Katie Orr, up in Sacramento, and with me here in the studio, wow, in the studio, live and in person, Marisa Lagos and Guy Marzarati. Welcome, gang.
2: Good morning. Good morning. morning.
3: morning. Hey, so Katie, I know there was a big debate up in Sacramento last night with the three of the. I won't it was a big debate, but there, was, there were <laughs> there was three a of debate. them. There was a debate. <laughs> yeah, it was a debate. We'll get to that in a second. But, you know, Newsom is kicking his campaign into high gear. And I, I just want to begin sort of to get us all on the same page. And I'll start with you, Marisa. Give us sort of the state of the race. What, what do voters have to decide? And, you know, where do things stand?
2: Well, starting with the second question, it's kind of a little unclear, right? Because we the last poll was still a few weeks ago, and I do think, to your point, that people are maybe coming back from summer vacations, kids are going back to school. It does feel like so some, some of the engagement is happening more broadly, uh, maybe among the folks who are not as energized to recall Newsom. But um, this is a two-part question for voters. The first question, do you want to recall Governor Newsom? The second question, if you do... Who do you want to replace him? Um, there is a long list of some 45 or 46 candidates, I believe, vying to replace him. Uh, sort of money is on a smattering of Republican men who have kind of come to the top of the heap, including talk show hosts from Los Angeles, Larry Elder, a uh, former San Diego mayor of uh, Kevin Faulkner, John Cox, uh, former or I guess businessman, current businessman, business former. I don't Can you, if you keep former, running, are you still a business? Anyway, yeah. he's uh, he of course ran in twenty eighteen against Newsom and lost. Um, and then uh, Kevin Kiley, uh, assemblyman up in Sacramento, and we did see Doug O. C former congressman, drop out this week. I would say the polling. I mean. Th- to level set, I think like the biggest question for everyone is going to be Democratic turnout, right? Dems have the advantage in the state. If they can get their voters motivated, I think that this is not very likely to pass. But if they can't, then it could be bad for Newsom. And
3: Guy, you were at uh, Newsom's sort of kickoff of sorts. It seems like there's been 30 of those now in the last few weeks and months. But he was here in San Francisco. You were there. It was kind of a who's who of uh, local Democrats standing up there with him. What, what, what's your sense of where... He They think and he thinks the race is right now.
4: I think too close for comfort. And you heard that even from some of his allies uh, at that press conference saying the only reason we're here, we're all getting together and doing this, uh, as much as we may love each other personally, is because the polls are really close when it comes to likely voters. And I think that's the biggest thing, as Marisa hinted to, the gap that we're seeing between how all California voters feel about this recall and how those who are most likely to turn out feel about it. The gap between that was like 12 points in the Berkeley IGS poll. It was still a four-point gap uh, in this week's CBS News poll between how registered voters are feeling about the recall and likely voters. So yeah, it does become a turnout question, but I would say the Newsom campaign can't lose sight of the convincing voters of their argument. It can't all just be about getting you know people to fill out their ballots getting people to the polls there still is kind of a convincing of the case argument that needs to be made
3: and in that regard there has been a subtle shift uh, and it's still you know fairly early most people as you were we were talking just yesterday about how you know you, you chat with your friends and they you know the average person not paying attention uh, oh yeah and so it's not unusual at all especially for Democrats to get engaged late but you're noticing I think we're all noticing sort of a subtle shift in the message at least in terms of what's on on TV for the commercials uh, against the recall
4: right and I think so much of the message has to be explanatory because to your point people aren't even let's take a step away from paying attention to the election or not just the how a recall election plays out is so unfamiliar to so many voters and you know I get questions from people all the time when was the Republican primary when was you know it's like <laughs> just the the dynamics of the ballot the first question yes or no should he be removed the second question pick a potential replacement candidate A lot of people haven't participated in an election like that before. So I think the Newsom message that you have started to hear over the weekend, just vote no, uh, is a reflection of, like, they they really just want to focus voter energy on the first question, rejecting the recall. They're not even trying to get into that replacement candidate. And, and
3: we're going to get into that whole question mm-hmm. in just a minute. And I should say that uh, later in the hour, we're going to be joined by former California Governor Gray Davis, who, of course, was the first and only California governor ever recalled. He was replaced by Arnold Schwarzenegger back in 2003. But up in Sacramento, Katie, you attended a debate last night um, that was co-sponsored by our uh, colleagues at Cap Radio and the Sacramento. Sacramento Press Club. Um, it was going to be four candidates, uh, but at the last minute, uh, Doug Osi, the former congressman, announced that he had had a heart attack over the weekend. He was dropping out of the race, so there were three left: Faulkner, Cox, and Kylie. Uh, just in general, uh, you know, how would you describe the tenor of uh, the event last night?
5: Well, it was interesting because I don't, I don't think the three of them. Um, disagreed with each other once honestly there was no um sparring between the candidates on the stage in fact i think there was a lot more oh i agree with what my my colleague said over you know on that issue and and really the focus was on um the governor who gavin there. newsom <laughs> right exactly the people who weren't there governor gavin newsom and uh larry elder the talk show host because he's clearly emerged as you know the front runner among the republican Field and uh, they're nervous. It was interesting. I noticed that, especially Kevin Faulkner, really seemed to call him out and um, really sharpened his attacks on Larry Elder. I think that has part partly to do with before Elder got in the race, Faulkner was really painting himself as the leading candidate, sort of like the de facto um, adult in the room. Who and
3: polls reflected that exactly.
5: Right. And, and now ever since Elder got in, you know, Faulkner has, as they all have, really have plummeted, are, you know, aren't garnering very much support yeah. in these polls at all. And so I think you see him really trying to take on. I, I do really want to point out too, to what Guy was just saying in terms of the ballot. I think it is confusing for voters because we are expected to, you know, you just, you assume you fill out the whole ballot and you, you answer one question, you answer the second. And so to hear, Newsom's team saying don't answer the second question is confusing. And Republicans have latched onto that, actually calling it um, voter disenfranchisement. Voter <laughs> uh, suppression. By people, yeah. Right, right. Telling Just people like not Texas. to vote.
3: Yeah, right. Well, exactly. let's hear a little bit about some of the candidates. And we'll start with Kevin Faulkner. And as you suggested, he went after. Uh, Larry Elder. And uh, in particular, he was referring to an essay that Elder had written uh, 21 years ago, quite a while ago, uh, and it was about women.
0: When he said that women, quote, no less than men, that they are easier to, quote, manipulate, and that he believes that it's okay to discriminate against women, including pregnant women, in the workplace. That's bullshit.
3: And Katie, I uh, love the barnyard reference there. <laughs> um, but, you know, Elder wasn't there. He is, this is what happens. Uh, you know, Newsom wasn't there either, and he's not going to debate, but uh, Elder's quite a bit out in front. But how, it seems like a lot of Elder's uh, comments uh, from the past, and not so distant past, are coming back to bite him a little bit.
5: Right. I mean, particularly uh, the candidates last night were asked about um, Elder's stance that there should be a zero dollar minimum wage, effectively no minimum wage. And do they agree with that? And if they don't, what should the minimum wage be? Um, All three of the candidates in the debate last night agreed that there should be uh, a, a minimum wage. Faulkner actually called elders' views uh, indefensible. John Cox also said that elders should be there to defend his point of view. But, and I thought this was interesting, none of them specifically said what they thought the minimum wage should be. So it's like they're trying to thread a needle. You know, you know in California especially, you have to acknowledge the fact that most voters are you know, the majority of voters are more progressive. This is a very expensive place to live. Um, Kevin Kylie even said, you know, something along the lines of like, we can't have um, uh, sweatshop conditions, uh, but they don't want to put a number on it that might turn off their Republican supporters. So really kind yeah. of walking a tightrope.
3: Well, and, and Marisa, to that point, it does seem that the candidates vying to replace Newsom, at least the you know the three who were there last night, and Elder, uh, they're really focusing their message. It seems to me mostly on Republicans. Why is that? Why aren't they trying to get more independent or Democratic votes?
2: I don't think that the sort of conventional wisdom is that those are sort of people who are likely to come to their side. I mean, when you look at the reason that this recall was originally launched, it wasn't about COVID. It predated COVID. It was about California expanding benefits to undocumented immigrants. It was about the death penalty, penalty, school choice. I mean, things that are very sort of red meat for Republican voters. And I think that that's the bet that these candidates are making, that they need to sort of put all their chips on the folks that they think, as I said, are, are the most likely to come out. And I will note, I mean, this is something we saw last night when they all were digging in on the covid stuff and essentially saying we're going to roll back all mandates, no vaccine requirements, even for healthcare workers. Potentially, in some cases, they're saying they would override local you know, district school districts and, and governments from their own mask and vaccine mandates. Um, that is not a message that is going to play well in California with a broader electorate. Well,
3: and guy, part of that is because they don't need it's really. the math. They yeah. don't. Yeah. Tell us about the math.
4: I mean, it's I mean, for any of these candidates, they don't need to appeal to a majority of Californians for their specific candidacy. They need a majority to vote Newsom out of office. And then there's a, a possibility that Larry Elder gets 20, 25 percent of the replacement candidate vote and could become governor. So or any of the others could or any that. of the others. So I think it's th- their focus has to be on targeting those voters who they know are most likely to come out. At that point, we at this point, we know that's the more conservative uh, voters in California. There isn't a statistical reason why they need to appeal to 51 percent of this. Well, and in fact, unless
2: Democrats, get their base out and then it's moot anyway. Right. right?
3: Yeah. So if the, if, the, if a majority votes no, then the rest of the ballot doesn't really matter. Um, we're talking, of course, about the recall this hour with KQD's politics team. Katie Orr and Guy Marzorati, California report, I'm sorry, California politics and government reporters and Marisa Lagos, my co-host on KQD's political breakdown show. And I believe Larry Elder is going to be on tomorrow with us, Marisa, so we'll get Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. He was going to be on last week, but he is (laughs) booked. He is booked. Okay, so let's hear from another one of the candidates. Uh, This is John Cox, who... When he ran against Newsom in 2018, you know, tried to make, did make a big issue out of housing and the fact that we need more housing. Newsom, during that campaign, pledged to build 3.5 million homes over eight years. There is nowhere, you know, there's no chance that's going to happen. But here's what Cox had to say last night about housing. What we've got to
1: do is reduce the cost. And that means we've got to exempt housing from the CEQA law. Uh, I'll tell you what, the politicians... Did a great job exempting sports stadiums and other things from CEQA or amending CEQA
3: for those. Uh, They'll have to do it with this, too. John Cox, and we will come back and talk about him and the other candidates in last night's Republican debate. We want to hear from you. Give us a call, 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. Or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED. Welcome back to Forum. Scott Schaefer here today for Meena We're talking about the recall election. The last day to vote is September 14th. You probably have your ballot already and we want to hear from you. What are your questions about the recall? Are you going to vote? Are you undecided on how to vote or who to vote for? Give us a call now at 866-733-6786. Again, it's 866-733-6786. Or if you like, you can reach us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum. And um, we're going to be hearing from former Governor Gray Davis in just a bit. But right now, Katie Orr, Guy Marzorati, and Marisa Lagos from the KQED Politics team are all with us. And um, I want to talk about... um, what we heard a moment ago from John Cox, um, but I also want to put in a plug for our recall guide, which uh, talks about all the top candidates and some of the arguments for and against the recall. You can find it at kqed.org recall. Guy, um, we heard John Cox before the break talking about housing and CEQA, the California Environmental Quality Law that does block a lot of things, not just housing, but it kind of raises the point to, okay, it's one thing to complain about CEQA, which has been in place since I think Governor Reagan signed it in the 70s. It's another thing to just like say we're going to brush it aside and build more housing.
4: Right. Well, and I think all these candidates have done a great job identifying or or with the diagnosis part of it. And I think this is another example of something that is really questionable what kind of cooperation a Democratic supermajority would give a Republican governor. There have been reforms to sequa uh, in the past, exemptions for sports stadiums, exemptions more recently for you know homeless shelters in specific parts of the state but a broad-based reform of that and, and getting rid of these environmental laws. I don't think you're going to have a super majority of Democrats go along with that.
2: No, I mean, if any of these guys manage to get elected and recall Newsom, they're going to be met with, I would bet, complete intransigence in the legislature. I mean, none of the things they're campaigning on, the legislature agrees with them. We could see the first overriding of vetoes in some 40 years because they have the numbers. And unlike when Schwarzenegger came in, I mean, Newsom is not at his strongest, but he is not nearly as weak as Gray Davis was. I mean, a lot of this, again, I think has been driven in terms of the energy on the right by COVID and the pandemic. And, you know, I think for a lot of people, whether they disagree with Newsom's policies, um, anger that the pandemic happened at all. Right. <laughs> and that we have these things. And yeah. so, I mean, well, it's kind of
3: like Davis, in a sense, people blamed him for the, you know, the power outages and other things that weren't really in his control. Yeah. Uh, can but can yeah, Katie, I, go for it.
5: I, I would just like to say, I mean, I, I completely agree that if a Republican is elected, they're not going to be able to get through a lot of the policies that they're proposing because of the two thirds majority Democratic legislature. But I think they do bring up points that a lot of people in California have legitimate questions about. Why can't we waive CEQA to build some housing, if we can build, we can waive CEQA to build sports arenas, which we've seen happen numerous times. If this law is so important for California, why does it seem to be brushed away for big projects when those politicians want them to be built? Uh, you know, same thing with schools. I don't, I again, I don't believe we're going to see school choice here in California, a voucher program. But I think when Kevin Kylie speaks about that, he brings up a point that a lot of parents, you know, question too, especially during this pandemic, when they see some schools open and some schools not. So again, I'm not saying I think those policies will be in. in, In uh, Yeah, exactly. If we put them in. But I I do think that they're things people in California are thinking about and homelessness. I mean, it speaks to Newsom's vulnerability. This isn't just coming out of
2: nowhere in that sense that I think there are deep frustrations with a lot of our intransigent problems. And I think some frustration even among Democrats that Newsom kind of You know, it to some extent feels like he was anointed into this position after, you know, being lieutenant governor for eight years. And I, I mean, I do think beyond looking beyond the recall if he survives it, there's a really interesting question about his political viability and whether we see challenges from the left in 22. Because no matter what happens next month, right, there's going to be another gubernatorial election next yeah. fall. And
3: he's got $23 million in the bank, by right. the way. Um, Katie, I, before we move on with the debate, uh, John Cox, some, in some ways, the, the most bizarre moment last <laughs> night came just as he was introducing himself at the beginning of the debate. Somebody walks in and, And serves him legal notice that he's been sued and has to appear in superior court in San Diego. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was, what was going on there?
5: Right. And to be clear, I think this caught everyone off guard. He had just started his opening. Good statement. move by the server though. I mean, <laughs> right? wow. Apparently, and I cannot say, he apparently, a reporter from Politico s- spoke to the process server who said he'd been trying to track him down and this was the place, you know, the only place he could do it. So he, as John Cox was beginning his statement. <laughs> Not
2: any of the other yeah, rallies. He didn't, didn't want to or... do it when the bear was next to him. <laughs> <laughs> the bear.
5: But he just threw, it was all of a sudden like John Cox. And I thought it was a, a protest or something, but then he, he said, you've been served, and I believe it was from the, uh, in the San Diego, and he threw a sheaf of papers up on the stage, and he was quickly escorted out. And then he afterwards- He paid for
3: doing that, too.
5: Right. I mean, that's his job, right? <laughs> and then afterwards, there was like a scrum with reporters, and I had come over to talk to John Cox, and someone said, what was that about? And he said, I already answered that. Even though not everyone was there, he wasn't. He was not giving out information. In last question, and
3: he walked away. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, well, I think he is going to have to appear in court now. So I don't. He probably won't bring the bear. Um, some comments from listeners. Robert writes: To what extent are the Republican candidates identifying themselves as supporting the ex-president Trump mm-hmm. and promoting his positions? Good question. Um, Duck.
5: Everybody Duck and cover. You, his name did not come up. Yeah, well, there is, a, there is, that, there
3: is that photo of uh, Faulkner and Trump. where And
4: Elder. F- and, Trump, and Elder
3: yeah. and Trump. But the, in the Oval Office, it was Faulkner was there uh, with other mayors a few years ago. And he sort of looks like a hostage. It looks like a hostage video a little right. bit. But, um, you know, Democrats are happy to be tweeting that out.
4: Yeah. And I think it's it's been to a different extent. I mean, I think Larry Elder and Cox have probably embraced Trump more than the other candidates. But Faulkner said he did vote for Trump in 2020. And Kylie has said he's just not going to answer questions about national <laughs> politics. Yeah.
3: Well and Katie, it's interesting because, you
4: know, Faulkner
3: has always certainly as mayor, when he ran and served as mayor of San Diego, he often opposed Trump on things like the border wall and general treatment of immigrants. Um and yet it was a little surprising he did say he voted for Trump in twenty twenty, to obviously to sort of tack to the right, but it seemed a little bit like last night, maybe he's he wants to come back to the middle a bit.
5: Well, I think, you know, he was trying to have it both ways. And I feel like when he was saying that he voted for Trump, perhaps he was counting on the fact that there might be a a Republican primary or a primary, you know, at all um, for the gubernatorial election and that, you know, he was hoping to generate some support from more conservative voters. Uh, Of course, that didn't happen. We didn't have any kind of primary. We have a recall. And um, so now he is looking at perhaps trying to appeal to a more moderate section of the voters, and he's trying to walk back his um, connections to Trump. I will say like, I've covered I covered Kevin Faulkner when he was on the city council in San Diego. And he's always tried to paint himself as a more moderate. And certainly when he was on the city council, he was considering one of his colleagues was um, Republican Carl DeMaio, who was very far to Hard
3: the to right to get to the right of him.
5: Yeah, exactly. So I think he's always tried to paint himself as a moderate. But that photo is hard to get away from. And him admitting that well, and, he voted for Trump is and, and I
2: think it's a weird line for I, I really I, Faulkner the one I would love to like ask this question to most directly because he was so careful when he was running San Diego. I mean, he really did work relatively well with the Democratic led, you know, board of supervisors and he or city council rather. And and he was he was very outspoken that he didn't vote for Trump in 2016. And so the fact that he then said, no, I did in 2020. And then has basically, I mean, I joked, I said duck, because in the first debate, I mean, he literally almost backed away from the mic when he was asked about Trump, like he doesn't want to talk about him. And I'm just, I'm not understanding the strategy. There. Yeah.
3: All right. Let's go to the phones. And again, if you want to join us, the number is 866-733-6786. And why don't we start with Kerry in San Jose? Carrie, Good morning.
6: Hi, I just wanted to point out that Marissa misstated the second ballot question in the opening to the show. She said that um, the second question is, if you want to recall Governor Newsom, who do you want to replace him? And that's not the question. The question is, if he's recalled, who do you want to replace him? So you can vote no on the first question and still vote for a replacement as an insurance policy, which is what we did. We voted for Kevin Paffrath. Kevin Paffrath, recommend. yes,
3: we'll talk about Kevin. Uh, yeah, and just, yeah, that, that is absolutely right. Uh, it is, uh, and I don't know if Marisa, how Marisa said it, obviously she knows uh, what the ballot says, but Marisa, uh, that, there's a lot of debate though about that second part of the ballot. Um, the Newsom folks are telling people. Don't pick it. Leave it blank. Uh, and, you know, Guy or some, one of you mentioned like that's kind of he's describing that as some of his critics are describing it as go kind of voter suppression. People are like like throwing away their shot, so to speak.
2: Yeah, I think this is like mostly a calculation that they are worried that it muddles the message to essentially make any recommendation on the second question and we did see this to some extent in 2003 now that's not why Gray Davis was recalled but that there was a, a legitimate democrat on the ballot the lieutenant governor and that there was the sense that like people were like well what is the message I also think there's a little bit and I don't think the Newsom side or democrats would say this out loud as, as clearly but a little bit of a just like hey if this does pass is our, is a governor as legitimate if they only have you know 18 or 15 or 20% of the vote and we've actually seen a lawsuit now now challenging this whole question of whether the system essentially to have potentially more voters support Newsom staying in office than the people who, who are choosing his replacement. Like, is that constitutional?
3: Yeah. And that was sort of on the heels of Erwin uh, Chemerinsky, the dean of the Berkeley Law School, saying it is not uh, constitutional. Uh, obviously, it's sort of like they're making an equal protection article uh, argument in the federal courts. We'll have to see uh, just how far that goes. All right. Let's go back to the phones now. And we're going to go up to Sebastopol. And Dennis, welcome.
7: Yes, thank you. Um, I'm following up on the previous question. Um, I totally agree with the caller. And to me, it makes no sense not to vote uh, for a candidate, um, even if you're opposed, as I am, to the recall. I don't understand why the Democratic Party isn't rallying behind one of those Democratic candidates on the ballot and urging everyone to put their votes there.
3: Well, in fact, they very much argued and pressured Democrats who might have thought about running not to run. Uh, there's any number who might have, and of course, we'll talk to Gray Davis about this because his lieutenant governor ran in 2003 saying, vote no on the recall, but vote yes on uh, Cruz Bustamante. But uh, you know, Guy, that that uh, the one person, the one Democrat who is getting some attention was mentioned by the earlier caller Kevin Paffrath, who showed up at Newsom's press conference uh, on Friday where you were
4: right, uninvited. He was he stood outside and answered reporters' questions. He is a uh, you I guess you could say YouTube influencer. He's uh, been a real estate investor and he makes YouTube videos giving out advice uh, for investing in real estate. He's you know he's not not from the political world. He has some kind of out of the box ideas. He wants uh, inmates to clean the streets of California. He wants to build an aqueduct from the Mississippi River uh, <laughs> to the state. Yeah, which is, yeah. you know, okay. check out the CEQA uh, lawsuits on that one. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I mean, I would say here's the dem- why, why I think Newsom's team pursued this strategy is if you're a Democratic voter and there is another viable replacement, maybe someone to the left of Newsom that you might fall in love with on the replacement ballot. That's a reason for you to support the recall. If you had, I'm just saying this hypothetically, someone like Ro Khanna on the replacement ballot and you prefer Ro Khanna to be be governor than Newsom, that might lead you to become a yes vote on the recall. So I think that's the strategy behind it. So the
3: Democrats are sort of left with no plan B. Um, I don't want to give short shrift to the other Republican up there, Kevin Kiley, uh, the Rockland Assemblyman, uh, 36 years old and uh, has sort of made a name for himself in the past year and a half or so. suing the governor over various aspects of his executive and emergency powers. But let's hear a little cut from him last night talking about education and schools.
4: Ideally, we would have a well-developed school choice system in California mm-hmm. so that, you know, if you wanted to send your child well, to I a school where masks right were required, thing. then you could. And if you okay. wanted them to send them to a mask at optional school, then you could.
3: Katie, uh, th- this talk about sort of vouchers, it comes up, you know, every two or four years, certainly every governor's a uh, race. Um, is that the, something that all three of the, the folks up there agreed with? I assume it is. But again, something that's not going to happen with this legislature.
5: You know, that was something that John Cox also um, mentioned that he support. Kevin Faulkner didn't explicitly, explicitly mes- mention it, though he did call out uh, Governor Newsom for having his children in school. They were in private school during the pandemic, while most public school children uh, were not it we're not in classrooms um i don't again yeah i don't see that happening here uh, just recently up in in california in the in sacramento um there were several they they scaled back what charter schools could do. So we've actually seen like a reduction in school choice in California, not not growth in
3: in that program. We're talking, of course, about the September 14th recall election of Governor Gavin Newsom. And joining us now is somebody who is intimately familiar with the process. Gray Davis was governor uh, until 2003 when voters recalled him from office. He joins us now from Los Angeles. Governor Davis, good to have you with us.
1: Uh, Good to be with you, Scott.
3: So I'm just wondering, first of all, what similarities and differences do you see when you look at the circumstances that you faced back then, 21 years ago, or I'm sorry, 18 years ago, and, and when you were recalled? What's what's different? What's the same?
1: Well, what's different is there's about 3.8 million more Democrats in the state than there were uh, when I was on the ballot. The Republican and Democratic registration back in 2003 was just about even. Uh, now, there's a very distinct advantage to Democrats. As a matter of fact, the Republicans are now the third largest party, independents being number two and Democrats being number one. So that's a big asset to uh, Governor Newsom. Uh, when, of course, when I was in office, President Bush was in office, and he was not on my side. Um, President Biden is on uh, Governor Newsom's side, and I think you can expect to see him and or Vice President Harris out here inning for him Um between now and the election. So those are two big differences. The third one, which is very hard to explain, I'll try and do it. Everyone knows there's a pandemic. It wasn't uh, Newsom's fault. Uh, He's actually done a pretty good job. The infection rate is less than the national average. Vaccine rate is so fantastic. We have about 45 million shots in people's arms, which is a huge logistical achievement. Only five other countries in the world have been able to do that. Back in my day, Everyone thought Enron knew what they were doing. It turned out they were a criminal enterprise. Their CEO went to prison for 22 years. The former CEO and chairman was convicted uh, and died mysteriously afterwards. The chief financial officer pled guilty to seven crimes of hiding all the debt that Enron had. It was a criminal enterprise. And there was a video that did not come out until I was out of office for six months showing Enron ordering that the power go out in San Francisco four days after we all met in Washington to see if we can work things out. Well, so,
3: let me ask you about one uh, difference uh, right. that you didn't mention, which is back then, uh, your lieutenant governor, or the lieutenant governor, it wasn't really your lieutenant governor, uh, Cruz Bustamante uh, ran. And he said, uh, you know, don't uh, vote no on the recall, but vote for me on that second part of the ballot. How did that complicate your efforts? And do you think the Democrats are kind of left with no plan B here? That may not be such a great idea.
1: I was totally against plan B and 2003, and I was actively making the point this time, there should not be plan B. We have a governor selected by over 20 points. He's done a good job. Uh, We have an $80 billion surplus, which much of which is going to go back to renters to pay all the past rent and rent for another three or four months, which is good. There'll be no defaults. uh, Credit rating won't go down. We have $10 billion to give to between federal and state. A, to give to small business to help revive them, to get people back to work. So uh, the good news is um, he had to deal with the pandemic. The good news is he's got $80 billion, which is the largest surplus in the history of man in the United States, uh, to do a lot of things to correct the problems. So um, he, he will win this thing uh, because everyone is getting a mailed ballot. All you have to do is uh, fill out Question. Cool. Yeah, and
3: that's the thing is, are our, our people paying attention? We're coming up on a break. Um, hopefully, you can stick around for a few more minutes. But when you look back on 2003, just quickly, does it look different to you now than it did back then? I mean, you became pretty friendly with Arnold Schwarzenegger.
1: Well, subsequent to it, I did, because we actually share um, a concern about the environment. I signed the first bill in America reducing greenhouse gases on tailpipe emissions, which is the largest source of emissions in California, about 50%. Uh, and on um, the, the economy, uh, uh, public safety. there were several areas of common ground. So we, uh, we have become friends and we, we're all part of something called the Southern California Leadership, Governor Wilson, myself, uh, Governor Schwarzenegger and Governor Brown times uh, in occasionally. Detroit. yeah and of course
3: uh and you and uh, Pete Wilson were not particularly close when when he was governor we're gonna we're gonna have to take a break we're gonna come back and we do want to hear from our listeners uh, what are your questions about the recall are you gonna vote who are you gonna vote for are you undecided on who to vote for give us a call at 866-733-6786 again 866-733-6786 And welcome back to Forums. I'm Scott Schaefer. Mina Kim is away today. And we've got the KQED politics team here with us, Katie Orr, Guy Marzorati, Marisa Lagos, and former Governor Gray Davis on the line as well. Give us a call at 866-733-6786 if you would like to join us. Um, Governor Marisa Lagos and I were chatting during the break, and we're just wondering, what do you think— Californians would do if, say, Larry Elder becomes the next governor, or anyone else and starts rolling back the vaccine mandate, the mask mandates? And what, what kind of reaction would you anticipate?
1: Uh, I, I don't even want to contemplate that possibility, because I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, the registered voters have like a 15 point preference for uh, Governor Newsom. Uh, and I, again, the point I was trying to make earlier, we have a candidate. Okay. We don't need a, a, another Democrat in the race giving people permission to vote no uh, yes on the recall. We want them to vote no on the recall. Um, Lieutenant Governor Busamani's a third of his vote, it turned out, from exit polls, voted for the recall. So he should win this handily if everyone fills out their absentee ballot and turns it in. I mean, how hard is that to open the mail <laughs> uh, vote yeah, no? I- on if one. you don't
3: think it was junk mail. I mean, mine came in the mail. I was like, what, what is this? Who? Wh-? All right. We're going to leave it there with you, Governor. Governor Gray Davis, thank you so much for joining us. Okay.
1: Pleasure to be with you.
3: Take care. All right. Here's a I've got a lot of listener comments here. Here's uh, one who says, here's a way to build enthusiasm and boost voter turnout, which we all need on uh, whatever side of the recall we fall. Post widely a photo now showing you depositing your ballot envelope into the mailbox and share it on social media. Two thoughts. Is it an immediate replacement? And not to cast any negativity, but the governor would be in place to replace either U.S. senator or an early vacancy Mm -hmm. if that should occur. And, Marisa Lagos, that's something you and I have talked about. Uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein, 88 years old, talk about her maybe retiring early. uh, But if she were to die in office, the next governor—
2: I legitimately think beyond the COVID mandates that this is the most sort of potentially impactful thing that a, a, a replacement of Newsom could do if, I mean, if the, if the situation came up. And of course, that would have wide ranging implications beyond California. That would change the dynam- the entire balance of power in the U.S. Senate. Um, and so I do think that while, you know, Diane Feinstein says she has no intention of stepping down anytime soon. Um, you know, it's not like we're not here to say something's wrong with Dianne Feinstein, um, but or I mean, who knows? Like, it, I, I think that that power of appointments just broadly is something that we should acknowledge, because as we discussed earlier, this is not a legislature that's going to want to play ball. There's only so much you can do through executive orders. But when you get judge appointments, potential replacement, app- I mean, Newsom just got to appoint the secretary of state, a new U.S. senator, uh, an attorney general all in the past, what? Eight months? I mean, that is
4: a lot of power And the agencies. I mean, the public health officer. Who's uh, the head of, yeah, Yeah.
2: the health department, yeah. Right.
3: Well, and that, if that uh, hold on executions is lifted, there's about 20, 25 inmates who have exhausted their legal appeals. We'd see a bit of a factory of executions potentially over at San Quentin. All right, let's go back to the phones. And Phyllis in Menlo Park, you're next. Welcome.
6: Oh, thank you. Um, I had an idea. My, um, ballot came in the mail Monday, by the way, um, and uh, I was thinking I'm voting no, of, of course, because I'm a sensible person. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, it dawned on me I wondered if I could put uh, Gavin as a write-in besides voting no. So I called the local election office and they said yes, because it does say it's got to be a legitimate write-in person. And they said yes, but uh, that that wouldn't, you know, cancel out my no yeah. at all. Well, Phyllis, no. we got some
3: bad news for you. A uh, guy, you wanna Yeah,
4: Phyllis, you you got some bad advice, Phyllis. Uh the recall basically to be a write in candidate, you have to apply to be such. And and there's a whole process for doing that. Newsom cannot be written in as a replacement candidate. And he can't apply to be a write in candidate. Does it
2: invalidate her recall vote? On no, no. it won't
4: no. it won't invalidate your first vote, Phyllis, but Newsom can't be written in in the second question, and anyone who wants to be a write-in candidate would actually have to go through that process, file to be a write-in candidate. Um, so it's not as if you could write in the lieutenant governor. They no one has gone through that in, in you know a statewide officer. Uh, so and fair to
3: say, probably no prominent Democrat will.
4: Yes, because ballots have already been sent out. You have until the end of the month to apply to be a write-in candidate, but since so many ballots have already been mailed it's you know it's not likely that that's anyone's going to do that in a significant way um so for everyone out there listening yeah the the write in is not really an option
3: phyllis who's oh, your okay. who's your third Come choice on. or second I'm choice i'm
6: glad it doesn't cancel thank you all right Th- thanks thanks very much anyway.
3: thanks very much and whoever gave you that information call them back Tell them, stop doing that
6: <laughs> yeah right <laughs> okay
3: let's go now down south central coast santa barbara richard you're next
7: Oh, good
0: morning. Um, I was wondering who's paying for this uh, election.
3: You, me, Marisa, yeah. we're all paying okay, for it. Good. It's uh, it's it's taxpayer money. And uh, what's uh uh Katie? What's uh, the 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 estimate is what four hundred million or so? Could go a little higher than that. Uh, all the of course the ballots that uh, had to be sent out because this is an all mail in ballot. Uh, but it's yeah, it's it's yeah, it's 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 a lot of money of and maybe mm-hmm. not so much given that the state budget is two hundred and. $63 billion, Well, it's but. interesting,
5: right? It's um, it's a lot of money when the Democrats don't want to pay for it. <laughs> it's right.
6: It's when the people in charge <laughs> right. don't want to yeah. pay it's for money it. Money we don't have.
2: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, I, th- I do think that's funny. And I think Democrats kind of tried. They uh, they poll tested, so to speak, that message at the beginning of this. And it just flopped. I mean, that is not the thing that is going to motivate voters no. on their side to get out. Yeah. It's like, oh, this costs so much. I yeah. think there's a lot of other arguments <laughs> that are more likely to get people to fill out those yeah. ballots. So
3: sorry, Richard. We're all on the hook for this one. But thanks very much for calling. Again, if you want to join us, give us a ring. It's 866-733-6786. Lots of listener comments here. Paul writes, if a governor dies or is impeached, the lieutenant governor would take over. Why is a recall, essentially impeachment by the voters, not handled similarly? Uh, and Marisa, that's state law. Is that each law has its, each state has its own. States that have recall provisions for statewide elected officials.
2: Right, we'll, and our we'll say how recall that and I believe ballot measure. Uh, sort of laws and and their enshrinement in the Constitution date back like basically a century. I mean, these are not things that have been updated. And, and, you know, we just talked to Gray Davis, the only governor who's actually been recalled. I mean, I think that's an important thing to note here is just like we it feels like we're in this era of recalls. And I, you know, the LADA, they're attempting a recall. The whole Orange County uh, board is super or the SF school board. Or Huntington City Council, yeah, school DA's, board. There are yeah. a lot of attempts. Newsom's the only one we've actually seen get on the ballot this year. So I think it remains to be seen if we're in a in a golden era of recalls and if that could actually push you know the state to reconsider some of these rules. Which you know I think it is challenging to do because the only time it comes up is in the midst of this very partisan. You know, debate around a specific recall, and like nobody really has a lot of credibility when they all have a side that they've taken.
3: All got a dog in the fight. Although, you know, in New York, we did see with Andrew Cuomo facing impeachment, he resigned. The lieutenant governor there, Kathy Hochul, going to be taking over in, next week, I believe. Very different. Very different situation. <laughs> uh, but you know, Guy, um, I suppose there could be a change to the law to allow the lieutenant governor to take over. I suppose, but that would require going to the voters, right?
4: Right. Uh, I do think. Th- you would see i would imagine the legislature would consider changes to the recall process either later this year or next year i mean i think there's there's polling that voters while california voters were very protective of our direct democracy, I think there's support for changes around the edges, maybe increasing the threshold. We have one of the lowest, if not the lowest, signature threshold to get a recall on the ballot or maybe limiting what could trigger a recall to something like a criminal offense or certain malfeasance on the part of the governor. There's been polling showing some support for that, and I wouldn't be surprised if Democrats pursued that. Katie?
5: Can I say, we, you know, we have seen over the past two years or so, Democrats try to reform the recall process after one of their state senators was actually recalled. And those, yeah, those changes seem to have backfired on them a little bit. You know, I mean, there was time they gave the legislature time to review the cost analysis. And then they they signed Newsom signed that law. And then they all voted to skip that step this time around, which gave them a little bit of bad press. I mean, they passed the law that said, um, People, the the candidate being recalled could um, put the party designation next to their name, and. Newsom's lawyers messed up and they didn't have that (laughs) you know he's not put it noted as a Democrat so it's interesting because you do see efforts to okay we're gonna revamp this process but again I hate to sound so cynical but when it when the changes they make affect that party in a negative way they try and you know take those changes back so I think that's the issue with trying to change the recall process too much you never know who's gonna be the next person facing a recall and the the changes that you made two years ago might not be helpful to you in, right now.
4: And, and even this year, I mean, Katie's mentioning the the changes they made to try to protect State Senator Josh Newman. Even this year, Democrats in the legislature changed the recall process, changed the law to try to speed up the election. It's unclear how that will all all play out. Um, But I think that's why they didn't count on Delta, right? But also, I think that's why these ads. You know, the Newsom campaign ran an ad with Elizabeth Warren uh, saying Republicans are abusing the recall process. It falls flat because Democrats are the ones who have actually made the changes to this recall process and are in the driver's seat, right? Yeah, Republicans. You may not like the process, but the Republicans who are reporting this recall have just followed the rules. Yeah,
0: they didn't
5: abuse the process. Yeah,
4: that is the process.
5: Um, Mm -hmm. I want to
3: play a quick cut here from Larry Elder. He was not there last night, but he did hold a rather odd press conference last week. Um, And let's hear a little bit about what he had to say about Gavin Newsom.
7: The reason I got into this race is because I was really quite concerned about the way this man shut down this state uh, in the most draconian way compared to the other 49 states. Uh, And he did this against science. He was sitting at that famous French laundry restaurant uh, with the very same people that drafted the mandates, and he was not wearing masks, he was not socially distancing.
3: And, and Marisa, you've talked a lot uh, in, earlier this hour, even about what would happen if you know mm-hmm. someone like Larry Elder were to get elected. Right. He, the poll show he is the front runner among the replacement candidates. There could be some changes and some pushback.
2: Yeah, I mean, should we talk about French laundry real quick? Because that's such a big <laughs> issue, and I do think it's important to note. I'm not here to defend Newsom. That was a or super dumb <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> yeah. However, he at the time he was. I mean he was violating I think the spirit of the message he was sending he was not violating the actual regulations because at the time they did allow for dining right but it's so the
6: image of it, it is it. no I'm Bad. not I
2: am just saying like I, I do think though like a lot of this has been um skewed to say well he was violating his own rules he 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 was violating the spirit of what he was saying every day at the microphone and like ranting at us for an hour I totally agree um yes that aside I think that I mean, I've said it. I'll say it again. I think that that is the biggest kind of question to some extent, immediate question before voters is is COVID-19 and how you think government should handle it. If you think that Newsom is on the right track or if you think that we should, you know, not have mask mandates and not have vaccine mandates, even in schools and healthcare care settings. Um, and I'll say you know, I think that there's a that that is a, a rich area for Democrats to explore when you look at the rates in Texas and Florida where they have not had these mandates and where not just and case the, rates, the Governor Texas pediatric Texas beds COVID. are filled up. Right. I mean, yeah. this is as we go back to school, this is very relevant to this moment. And I think that it's something we are seeing the Newsom campaign really dig
3: in around. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Forum. I'm Scott Schaefer. And let's go back to the phones now, and let's hear from William in South San Francisco. What's on your mind, William?
0: Hi. Hi. I'm wondering if
7: this problem of the Plan B could be solved if we had ranked choice voting. What do you
3: think? <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. we all 46 <laughs> for five candidates.
2: Sorry, we're all San Franciscans. So we, yeah, we know the, the very complicated debate that yeah. rages whenever you have RCV. I think some people, maybe like yourself, uh, would, would think that it would help. And I think a lot of people would think it would make things even more confusing and muddle the message even uh, sort well, of more. and And
3: what problem would it solve, William? It
7: would solve the problem of having to worry about picking the plan B in preference over, Gavin, if
4: you were in the the party.
3: Yeah, well, you know, I think that some state like Maine has ranked choice voting and you and you rank here in, in San Francisco, you rank, I think, the top three uh, in some states. It's you rank everybody on the ballot. Uh, so that would be a rather unwieldy uh, thing to have uh, in this particular case but you know kind of interesting idea anyway um, here's another comment from a listener who writes why is the California recall system so crazy in that there is no runoff of the top candidates how did we create a system that allows a candidate with 10% of the vote to become governor theoretically possible uh, probably not likely but certainly 25 30% uh, you know whoever the to- whoever gets the most votes on that second part of the ballot
4: well and it does raise the question i think within the letter of the law it would have been possible to separate the vote to have a yes or no vote on newsom and then a separate election in terms of replacement and in that case you would it would make more sense for democrats to put forward a replacement mm-hmm. candidate Obviously, that's not how the state is proceeding. Um, but I think that would also go to address some of the issues that legal scholars have raised about the one person, one vote and, you know, the, the vote in the replacement field being so diluted.
3: All right. Let's go now to uh, Jan in South San Francisco. Welcome.
7: Hello. Yeah, this was a really easy ballot for me to fill out. I just simply answered the first question, no, and signed it. And, you know, that was it, you know, simply because, uh, you know, uh, Gav- uh, Governor Newsom has done, uh, done a decent job. Um, you know, notwithstanding the serious housing crisis, but certainly he doesn't deserve to be recalled. I mean, he's done he's done an OK job. And secondly, uh, just uh, the 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 candidates that uh, hope to replace him, they're they're not serious. Uh, they don't want to solve any problems at all. I think it's just like a complete circus act. And these people are, are just utter clowns. Um, and, you know, the the final point I have, I have two questions. I mean, number one is, you know, it seems like the polling is tighter for the governor, Um, you know, how worried, you know, should he be? And, uh, you know, second question is, you know, given the fact that these Republican candidates are not interested in solving any problems, I mean, and, uh, you know, just wasting our time. I mean, what is their motivation Mm. for being in this race?
3: Yeah. Well, the polling, which we alluded to earlier, uh, actually, the... overall level of support for the recall is about the same as it's been, about 36, 38 percent. The problem is when you look at likely voters, who is most likely most energized to vote? And it gets much, much closer, as Newsom says, too close for comfort. Um, you know, Guy, This the point, though, that uh, the candidates are not really offering solutions, they are really, really just have a lot, you know, criticisms of the governor, which is what happens when an incumbent is essentially running for re-election.
4: Right. And you could make the argument that the actual drivers of this recall, which were you know, that the school closures, small business closures and Newsom's own hubris are not anything that these candidates are actually going to be able to confront if they take office. We're most likely we're not going to see the large scale school or business closures. They're not going to be having to deal with something like that. And I think all of these candidates on the Republican side face this weird dichotomy. They are for local control. That is kind of the Republican message when it comes to st- foundational yeah. and on all these, you know, whether it's mask mandates in school, uh, they're going to have to confront this idea that if they are truly for local control, most of the state is going to be going in a different direction than they want them to.
3: All right. Thanks very much for the call. Um, and we mentioned uh, that Gavin Newsom was in town last week to uh, kick off the recall, no on recall campaign. Let's just hear a quick clip of what he had to say. It's a simple thing. Just vote no and go to the mailbox and get these ballots back. And Katie Orr, in some ways, it is that simple. I mean, it is. A, it's, it certainly isn't one of these long ballots with all these ballot propositions and local races. Um, but I do think a lot of people are going to struggle with especially that second part of the ballot.
5: Yeah, I'm chuckling a little bit because he sounded a little bit like <laughs> pleading, "Just vote no." <laughs>
3: you know, yeah, this is the last thing he to Yeah, but <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, he's put all his eggs in that basket. Which right? Exactly. Really oh, yeah, really, his only choice.
5: I think it is. It is. I think it's confusing for a lot of people. I think there are a lot of people. I get why the Democrat, the Democratic Party, did what they did, but I do think there are a lot of people out there who say like. OK, now what? Uh, yeah. Again, like I said earlier, it goes against this notion that when you get a ballot, you're generally supposed to fill out the whole ballot. And they're asking us not to do that. Um, and we'll have to see
3: short if that on works time, out for him. Short on time. But Marisa, you've covered the issue of crime a lot. All the Republicans, all the, a lot of the replacement candidates are talking about that. What are you looking for, you know, between now and September 14th, you know, in terms of how that issue might play out?
2: Yeah, I think it's something that Republicans want to talk about. And I think it's something people do have concerns about. There's actually been polling out by groups, the pro-reform groups who have pushed some of these, but, you know, legitimate pollster showing that people are worried about violent crime, but don't actually sort of think that returning to, uh, you know, heavy incarceration is the answer um, and that they do favor things like treatment and mental health interventions. Um, And I should note there is a recall in Sonoma County happening of the D.A. on the same
3: week. All right. And we will get to that, I'm sure, between now and Election Day. Marisa Lagos, thanks so much for being here, along with the rest of the California Politics and Government team. Katie Org, Guy Marzarati, I'm Scott Schaefer, here for me and Kim. Don't forget, we do have a voter recall uh, guide on our, our uh, website. You can go to kqd.org recall. Check it out. Thanks for listening. See ya.